What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Wednesday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by old friend Will Leach, who actually cross promoted my podcast, this <laughs> very podcast, several years ago, back when uh, Will could travel to sporting events with his. I think his parents were in the hotel room, <laughs> if I recall correctly. I was back in Atlanta. Like it, everything was different. Uh, we didn't know what we had at that time. Will Leach. Yeah, I think it was the, the was it the All Star game in mm-hmm. Miami. I think, I think so. I think that's what it was. Yeah, and uh, that was uh, that was uh, that was quite a bit of time ago to say the very least. But but now you know, listen. My uh, thank you for having me. The lots of days, but you're still killing it. I am. Uh, I now. Um, uh, I'm still. I'm still right. I think it was the old Sports on Earth podcast. Yes. Um, but I'm still making a bunch of stuff all over the place. And uh, my parents have been vaccinated, and my dad is going to the Big Ten tournament this weekend, which he has earned. So uh, you know, my parents moved to Georgia. They had the whole idea that like they'd be closer to their grandkids. My, my, my children are their only two grandkids. Be closer to their grandkids after they retire and then just go travel the world and get to see all the things they never got to do while working 60, 70 hours a week for 40 years. And they literally got in there, got into their house. And then all of a sudden everyone said, oh, you can't leave your house for the next year. <laughs> so the pandemic was poorly timed for them. So now that they are vaccinated, I am encouraging uh, my father to go watch some basketball and watch a pretty great Illini team. Well, we'll get to the Illini and uh, just how good this team is and how incredible of a run this year has been and how much you've enjoyed watching Illinois basketball. Because uh, let me check my notes here. You have not enjoyed watching Illinois football all that much over the last 40 plus years. Is that correct, Will? Well, you know, I mean, there, there have been not been it's relative joy, right? Like you can, if you really have gone through a lot of tr- pain, you can talk yourself into the craft fight hunger bowl if you mm. absolutely have to. <laughs> you can really get, you can get yourself up to it if you need to. I think I actually have a program and a hat from that game, and I didn't even go. So that is, that is desperate. Yeah, you are Illinois football, but yeah, Illinois basketball. You know, uh, Illinois uh, football. Anything you get, you're happy about. But Illinois basketball has always had a little bit of a. Um, Dynas- uh, like we we consider ourselves what's the old uh, Fitzgerald line that everyone uh, the poor in America considers themselves temporarily inconvenienced millionaires mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like that's how Illinois basketball fans have felt for the last fifteen years. Oh, we're not I good think now. Also describe the Republican awesome. voting we're base awesome. that way as well. What's that? I think you could describe the Republican Republican voting base that way as well. <laughs> yeah, well you know what? There's more crossover than I'd like to admit between uh, a lot of Central Illinois uh, basketball fans and, uh, and 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 that voting base. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, don't forget, folks, you can check out all the episodes of the Chase Homes Podcast on Blue Wire by going to Blue Wire Pods today or just going to ChaseHomesPodcast.com and supporting the show by becoming a Patreon member by going to Patreon.com slash ChaseThomasWriter. Um Will, what have uh, what have you found yourself uh, reading and watching a lot of over the last week? Uh, you know, it's funny, and I wrote about a little bit of this as well. But uh, to me, this is a fascinating time in in kind of American and human history because. You know, there in about a month or if not earlier, that everyone's that's going to want a vaccine is going to want to get one. Mm. Um, the weather is gorgeous. I'm in Athens, Georgia. It is gorgeous right now. Seventy degrees desperate. right now in Knoxville. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm desperate to go to like a beer garden or like a packed sporting event, and I'm so close, but I'm not quite there. Like like millions and millions of people are not able to do it yet. And so there's this weird point of like it feels like we're about out of this, but not quite but yet you don't want to rush it and yet also also we've all spent the last year being mad at each other and mad about everything and it feels like there's maybe a reason some reasons to not be so angry and maybe to actually kind of appreciate stuff and it feels like the create the atlantic had this great piece of like be prepared for a truly wonderful summer Mm -hmm. and i know that 
and it's close, but it's not here yet. So it's this weird like amalgam of things where everyone is about to be excited but still scared, but also uh, uh, wants to be happy but still annoyed by, by everything. It's a weird kind of crazy time, and I do wonder if it's going to explode in like orgies in the street this <laughs> summer. So uh, it, is, uh, it is a pretty fascinating kind of, kind of period. So I'm I reading as much about the post. Uh, they had a piece about – it was either the post of the Times that uh... – Remember how everyone just assumed that baby numbers would skyrocket? Yeah. Uh, it actually went yeah. the other way? Yeah, nobody humping. Nobody's humping. <laughs> <laughs> it went the other way, which I thought was funny. Um, well, we're going to talk about the vaccine and the FOMO related to that. Uh, your new book uh, that I'm excited to read. Because I can actually turn around right now, Will. And I can see uh, God Save the Fan on one bookshelf. And I can see Are We Winning on the other. Um so that's that's pretty cool. Um, a little bit of Illinois basketball and March Madness being just around the corner, and then uh, the return to normalcy in sports this summer, which I know you're excited about. Um, firstly, though, you write uh, a lot at Medium now, and you wrote a piece about vaccine FOMO, and I I think it's real, and I've I. I was surprised at certain, like, you don't know what your reflexes are until you're put in a position where it's like, whoa, what is that instinct? Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And when I heard someone who is a mutual acquaintance, I guess is the best way to describe it, who is n- just an avid runner, super healthy, in their 30s, um, got the vaccine. And I heard about it, and I was like, there's no way that they're, mm-hmm. what? what? They work at, like, AT&T. There's no way. They're in telecom. How did they jump the Like, no pre-existing conditions or anything. And they talked to like somebody, they knew somebody who would call them when they had some vaccines that were about to expire and they just shot over there in a few minutes and got it. And I was like, huh. And then I read your piece and I didn't know about this website that you could actually go and do this. So now I'm logged in and I did the code this afternoon before we yes. got uh, started. So. And I've been staring at my phone since. Uh, <laughs> doctor, doctor I, I actually, I'm just realizing I left my phone upstairs to do this podcast. I know I'm going to get that text during this, <laughs> while I'm doing this podcast. Well, so I so apologize. You, yeah. So if I die, it's your fault. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, so it's real. Like, have you, what have you found yourself? Like, do you know anyone personally that you first were like, how did they jump the line? What, uh, what happened here? Do you know anybody like that right now? Well, I, I wouldn't say that I certainly know people that I'm like, Hmm, but that doesn't mean, but I, I think what's clear and this is what I try to get across in the piece that, Hmm, does not mean that they're doing something wrong. And yeah. I think that's what we need to separate from this. Uh, you know, the fear of missing out uh, for the vaccine, I think, is a, a, a obviously very real thing. We've all seen it. You know, we've all seen that our friends have put up a picture of themselves getting their getting their vaccine selfie, which mm-hmm. funny, in any other context, selfies. I'm not a big selfie person myself. I'm old. It just it doesn't seem like it seems like like you should be better looking than me, I think, to, <laughs> to be able to do uh, uh, selfies in a lot of ways. But like this is like these are healthy selfies. These are good selfies. This is for the public good to show that vaccines yeah. are safe and effective so and so it's it, i see why people do it it's in they even have selfie stations at a lot of these vaccination places and it's good it's no question good but there is it's, it's fine i like i like the way you the way you put that the idea that you didn't realize oh where did that in- instinct come from it's the same way that every time i'm watching a sport event sporting event if going into it i don't know who i'm rooting for by halftime i always do <laughs> like it's just like my body tells me oh i hate michigan i guess i do i didn't know that but now i know that just by watching this game and it feels that way a little bit when you see the when you see these you're like oh wait i'm actually a little pettier than i thought i was mm-hmm. and but and so i'm and i think we're all kind of like that a little bit so i'm trying to try to combat that a little bit with the idea of, you know, the, the bad guys are not the, any, the order of the line. In fact, I would think, I think you've seen kind of statistically the states that put a ton of restrictions and really enforce the idea that like if you, uh, anyone that tries to jump the line or gets a vaccine, however they would, they would do it. Anyone who tries to do that is gone. And like, like we're going to, we're going to take away vaccines from that, from that doctor's office or that Walgreens or whatever. And we're going to punish them. Those, the states that are doing the worst job vaccinating the populace and did you see that alaska open it up to everybody now it's funny and to me that is that i i I feel like alaska is unique and that they have Mm. a lot of rural areas and they've got they've got people that obviously i think are only available by by like 15 dogs taking you there so (laughs) i think that i think that that i understand if balto has to bring you to the vaccine then you deserve it right 
<laughs> but I, but listen, I don't, I, I don't think most of the country is ready to do that yet. But I think that they are closer than uh, than we realize, and I think that's the right instinct mm-hmm. is to try to get as many people as possible. The bad guy is not the person that's getting the shot when you're not sure if they should have or not. The bad guy is. COVID. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to get rid of. So sure, I would love to get a vaccine. Uh, I am uh, at this point, uh, I will confess, I live in Georgia. So mm-hmm. the, uh, the uh, uh, there are, I know a lot of people who have been vaccinated. I know a lot of people who have had it, depending your viewpoint on how long immunity lasts. Uh, I find myself one of the few people left that has had neither. So, so are I'm, you certain I'm, though? Uh, I'm, I, I, I've got my antibody test. Okay. I have not had it. I've got my antibody test, and um, I give I give blood. It's a good, I encourage everyone, by the way, this is a great excuse to give blood. Uh, give blood every three months; they will give you a free antibody test. I encourage everybody to do that. Anyway, the I'm point very is, bad about that. Will I, I remember it's, it's, in undergrad there was a blood be- like a the it, it freaked me out that there was like this. I called it the blood bus that would always <laughs> drive around campus and park by the library, and it was almost like it was so judgmental to me. Like I was going to study, and I was like, I'm doing a good thing. I'm going to be a good, studious student. And I would walk past the nurses at um, the blood van and they would always look at me like, Are you, you want to give blood? You can get the cookie or something. And I was like, no, I did not have that on my agenda today. I'm going to study um, some uh, geology right now. That That's where I'm, I'm walking to right now. And I always felt bad because like I am not a blood person. Well, like I've, I will faint. Like I am not not good about it. I, I used to talk my way out of getting my finger pricked when i was in middle school like mm-hmm. mm, don't want to do it don't i don't i don't like it and uh i don't know i've always felt guilty about that well don't feel guilty it's just that people have surely died because you did not get blood <laughs> so don't, but don't feel guilty about it it's fine i i don't want you to feel queasy uh-huh. so um no just kidding <laughs> but um but yeah so i feel like you know that is uh, I, I certainly am eager to 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 get the vaccine, and I have my certain ethical lines. I know some people, as I wrote in the piece, some people have gone to other states. I know there's a pharmacy uh, here in in Athens that does, kind of does a little wink wink uh, thing for uh, if you need to, if you're not eligible, but they'll they'll uh, give you a call and you come in on Tuesday and we'll take care of you. And just remember me when I'm trying to get a car dealership or <laughs> trying to get a deal in a new car or something. Um, I know there's people that do that. I know. I know some people have uh, said they're a caregiver when they're not necessarily a caregiver. And on one hand, I think our instinct, particularly after the last year in which all we've done is just shame everyone for everything all day because we're all trapped in our houses and just yelling at getting all of our anxiety and fears out through the computer. I understand that our instinct is just to be like, how could they do that? But like, listen, we are almost at the end of this. This is the way out of this. Uh, to me, I, the, the there are tons of vaccines coming very, very soon. These th- this is about to speed up really fast. I think we're going to put ourselves in a kind of a silly situation to be spend all of this energy getting mad. Why don't I have my vaccine? Why does that person have a vaccine? When in a lot of ways, I think we're all going to, anyone that wants it anyway, is all going to have it here pretty soon. So uh, I, I, I encourage everyone to just don't sweat it. I see in the replies of every post when someone has, has that selfie where it's like, good for you. I'm glad you got it. And then you just know they're going, must be nice. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I feel like that's, and I get it. I get it. We've all, we've all kind of been that defensive crouch for a year now. But I do think this is good that people are getting vaccines even if it's not you yet it will be you soon and so uh, i i feel like uh encouraging encouraging people to just hang in there we've made it this far we're almost there is a in uh, save, save yourself the aggravation are you at all surprised that pro sports leagues have not just jumped the line like i maybe my cynicism played a role in this but i was stunned and i'm still kind of stunned that it's taken this long for leagues to just mass vaccinate their players like i'm i'm still really stunned and i understand that there's unions and that this is more complicated than that but i just assumed like i had penciled in that this was going to be a problem for sports league and silver and manfred that they were going to deal with because they were going to try and uh jump the line in the interest the best interest of the fans at home of like do you want uh, your best player playing this spring uh never getting pulled for covid tracing this is what we got to do they got to jump the line but that did not happen and still has not happened yet i were you at all surprised by that you know i wasn't actually and the reason Hmm. i remember when that talk kind of happened and one of the reasons i wasn't was because 
I mean, to be honest, kind of a cynical reason, but like uh, I think owners care a lot more about getting fans in the stands and paying customers vaccinated than they do their players. I think that like at a certain level, if we've learned anything from the last year, it's that uh, um, the individual uh, availability of the players uh, in a particular sport is important to the owners, but just making sure that games happen is a lot more important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so like I think that – I think that sure, uh, uh, it looks better if you uh, uh, if you if you know they're going to go see LeBron today. But it's much more important and much more important to their bottom line that you get fans in the stands. And I think that the inconvenience and to me uh, that's the idea too. You know, the, if if the players union even gave them like a hint of uh, we don't want you doing that, there's no reason then to push it. Because at that point, like, you know, the players union, if anyone that you think they would be the one that would want to jump to the front line. But actually, you're seeing that not happening from the players union. I think that they are very wary, understandably, of saying, wait, why can a league mandate us to get any sort of shot at all? The military is not doing that for crying yeah. out loud. So, like, you know, I think the idea uh, I think if they got any pushback on that, it's in their best. It, sure, they would. Lo- I'm sure that deep down they'd love to just m- l- rub a magic wand and uh, and have everybody no longer be able to get COVID. Uh, which, by the way, vaccine people that are skeptical of the vaccine, that's what a vaccine does. <laughs> it is a magic wand that makes you not get COVID. So uh, I think they would love to be able to do that, but it doesn't seem when I look at potential issues for these sports leagues running out of players. Uh, does or or not having their stars play as much as they'd like, or I mean, we've already seen that on-field transmission is not very common, if common, if if it's if it's happening at all. Uh, I think if that were the case, if we see a ton of on-field or on-court transmission, maybe they'd have pushed it. But they're not really seeing it that much. They've shown, for crying out loud, this is I still feel like it is very underconsidered the fact that Major League Baseball had two months without a positive test that is insane that they would go two months in the right in the thick of everything for crying out loud and they went two months without a positive test now obviously the justin turner thing was the was quite a streak ender uh (laughs) but um but certainly two months without a positive test is i'm sorry that's 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 a a it's a big deal b it definitely threw it through right in the face of the of the owners and mlb's arguments that they should postpone the season like players be like we literally just did two months when things were a lot worse than they are now uh to be able to do it why can't we start and i think they were justified that in three i think it shows that you can do it and you can do it without having to jump the line sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Do you think the country is healing uh, over the last 90 days? Well, do you think things are improving? I think, th- I think those are two different things. I think things are better. I think things are better. Uh, We don't have to go down the political rabbit hole here, but I mean, like, it turns out that having a raging lunatic as president who has absolutely no idea and no desire to make the massive public health crisis that's killing thousands of people a day any better, getting rid of that guy helps. It, like, totally does. It totally does. It helps. I think just getting him off Twitter is the biggest one. I think think that's almost bigger, just not having that in people's minds every day. Like just yeah, not I, waking up and I think that's it. a huge deal. I no question, no question. I think it's a huge deal, but I don't think we're healing yet. I think that there is going to be, you know, it's like any trauma. You know, mm. I think there, there's going to be. Uh, we are still, we're not out of the trauma, even if you are vaccinated, even if you're my dad going to a game. I don't think my dad or a lot of vaccinated people feel like sweet everything's back to normal now like it's not we still have like we're not done with this there are still thousands of people dying every day like this is hardly over to any stretch of the imagination do i think that we're in a better place or do we think we've moved closer to where we can start thinking about healing yeah i think we're closer i think i think we're 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 better off we are uh, better off in many many ways not all just trump related uh i think we are we are a lot better off but i you know i think what's going to happen is you know you're going to see 
when I think when first the next thing's going to happen is once all the once we all everyone that wants a vaccine can get one gets one, then we're all going to start getting mad at people that don't get them, <laughs> and yeah. that's gonna be the next thing that we get frustrated by. And then and then and there's going to be a little bit of a tiny surge that goes up at some point, and and we're going to blame it on the non-vaccinated people, and uh, we're going to yell at them about that. Well, you know, there's a lot of muscle memory about what we've gone through in the last year and how we've treated each other. Uh, you know, the idea that, I mean, for, my kids are about to go back to school, but I think by September, the hope, I think I think, I think the, quite the likelihood is that we'll have a school year much more similar to a normal school year uh, come come next September. Oh, the SEC is uh, opening up, Will. Yeah, you know yeah. Oh, We're know an SEC colleges. country, it's open. I know colleges, colleges are that way. Yeah. But I, mean, I think like grade schools and high schools are gonna be close to normal next year. But that, and that's great, except now, you know, now I know the mother of that kid, friend, kid that uh, uh, kid that's a friend of my son's, uh, never wear wears a mask uh, in in the grocery store and puts up QAnon links on Facebook. That's something I know now about them. It's yeah. going to take a long time for us to get to to heal from this massive divisive trauma that we've gone through. But mm. do I think things are better? I don't think there's any question things are better. But uh, this is going to be a long process. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, your children and putting them back to school, um, parenting the pandemic. What is, what have you learned about yourself as a parent over the last year? What is the biggest, uh, biggest thing you've learned? Uh, I, I, as a parent, I've learned that, um, I mean, kids just need to be around other kids. <laughs> I yeah. don't think there's, like adults need to be around other adults. Clearly, as you see the way that a lot of people have been acting over the last year, but I mean, it is, I understand. Uh, and, you know, opening up schools is a complicated question with a lot of variables. And I'm always – another thing I've learned in general about this pandemic is I'm just – I'm immediately suspicious of anyone who is sanctimonious about anything because mm. everything – everyone is constantly being proven wrong every 20 minutes. And yeah. so the anyone that claims they have the answer – and I think that a lot of this is just kind of a – online social media pose i do believe that i just don't believe that most of the people who are braying all day on social media are sitting up uh, in their bed at night looking up the ceiling and thinking wow i am certain about everything and i got everything right today like i just don't think they're doing that i think it's all just like a fake thing that we're everyone's pretending to be certain of themselves you know one of the worst things that's really happened in the internet in the social media age it has flattened humanity it's made everyone it's made people that actually are complex uh nuanced fascinating people and it's made them into uh absolutists on everything yeah and so that, that is a very frustrating thing to watch happen on every side and i think schools are a great example of this and for me you know i understand that this is this is a complex thing and a lot of variables that have, have had to be weighed uh i but you know i don't see how the short and long-term health of these kids uh is uh is not the most important thing for everyone and so uh to see what high schoolers have gone through you know i got a third grader and a first grader and you know, they I mean, they're they Fortunately, they have each other, but unfortunately, they have parents that can give them wireless all day can in our home all day and give them attention. But, um, uh, you know, it's not like it's it, they're they're different kids <laughs> that they are. You know, I think one of the things I learned during this as a parent was. You know, I can sit for a year and I ain't missing much. You know, I'm not – this is not me. Like I'm not like straight out of college and trying to start in the working world. I'm not like a, um, a high school kid or about – I'm not – like I'm an adult. I've had my fun. But <laughs> also like sit. what we do for a living doesn't really require – like that was exactly. something I thought about too where it was just the pandemic. If sports were not canceled during this, my life would not have been all that different. Exactly. And so in a, in a certain words, but like – and also – like, what's the difference about the year that I'm 44 than the year that I'm 37? Like, not a dramatic yeah. difference. But, like, a year when you're seven is everything. Yeah. And so I think that, like, adults had this idea that kids were supposed to pause like they were. And that's just not how childhood works. And I think we are going to be unwi unwinding and unraveling the damage that we've done uh, to kids for decades to come. I am already prepared for uh, 10 years from now, the generation COVID stories about how all these kids fell behind. And I understand. I do understand. This is complicated. And it's but like. I'm sorry, literally school is about is supposed to be about the kids and and the idea that uh, uh, particularly when 
all the science pointed like it's been very frustrating to have spent the first half of this pandemic screaming at trump and their people being like how are you not looking at the obvious science here and then the second half yelling at people they're saying school should stay closed when like every single scientific study uh said that said that, that they were that they were safer than being out in the community yeah so uh you know that is that uh that has been a frustrating thing to kind of deal with as a parent i'm very fortunate my kids are close enough in age and they get along very well they're very 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 different kids but at the beginning of the pandemic they were buddies but not like you know they were still like older brother and little brother now they've been together for a year i mean they are best friends i imagine someday at, at their wedding or whatever big event they have in their lives uh like someone making a toast and be and always pointing to this time as the time that they became like truly best friends and that is exciting and like that's there's not like i feel like that's a good thing that came out of it and it was an exciting thing to watch that happen but uh yeah i just think these things are so much bigger than uh than uh than i think we get caught up in the day-to-day fights at the moment and miss the larger picture what is the weirdest thing you found yourself doing in the last year um you know i i will say that like um i've gone through i feel like i've gone through like two midlife crises in the middle mm. of this is to say I like I went through my heavy uh, – they were all minor ones, but they just happened like packed together. Mm. Like at first, of course, like a lot of people, I just started like, oh, I'm an alcoholic now. <laughs> like that just has happened in like the first two months of this. So I started drinking. But then I was like, OK, can't do this forever. Uh, this is not like a freezing time. Like, the time is not frozen. I still need to like get my act together and get my life going. So uh, then I started running like insane. <laughs> so I bet, like the way that you watch your Facebook, your, your, all the people you partied with in college and after college go from like, oh, wow, they're a little out of control. Oh, they've taken up running. Good for them. Oh, and then, and, and just I feel like that happened to me during the pandemic. I just kind of went through the, the stages of – Help. But I will say one thing that has been nice that I feel very fortunate as just professionally. I mean, you're right. There was a lot of time where there was no sports. <laughs> and I was uh, I, I would have been very fortunate to be able to not only stay busy during that time uh, and stay employed during that time. But I would argue I, you know, I said early on in this people would come to me like, Will, how are you going to get through this? But there's no sports. I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, if I'm a sport, if I'm if I write about sports or anything, if I write about sports professionally and I can't find stories to write about in how sports handles the biggest public health crisis in 100 years, I probably should not be a sports writer. Like there's just so many stories to be able to write about and so many angles on it. I've I've, I've said this before, but like I think you can make a pretty strong argument that one of the major figures to get uh, sports back going was Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. I don't I don't want to give him credit for it. I think he was being reckless about it. But what really – the first crack in the door for the NBA was when Georgia – remember, Georgia was the first state, uh, much to my displeasure at the time, to – remember, they opened up uh, bowling alleys and salons and it yes. was a whole deal. One thought they were insane. Well, another thing that they opened were gyms. And so the Atlanta Hawks immediately went to Adam Silver and said, hey, listen, if gyms are open down here, but you won't let us open our practice facilities, understandably, but our players are just going to go practice somewhere in town and it's going to be a lot less safe than our practice facilities. Can we open our practice facilities? Nate Silver said – Nate Silver. Sorry, Adam Silver. Nate Silver may have also had something to do with this. Adam Silver said, yes, you can. And from that, the next step was – Hey, Florida might be – the Miami Heat might be able to practice. And hey, hmm, Orlando's open during this time. And like that little tiny thing cracked the door open to everything. That was the first time that even the notion of starting to maybe we should bring sports back at some point this year even started to be kind of discussed. So that to me is a fascinating story. And uh, if if, I, if I'm just waiting to be like, well, I'm going to write about like how that guy made the big shot to win the game or I don't know what to write about. I feel like I'm not doing much as a sports writer. So I've been very fortunate to, uh, and very lucky and very happy to learn that uh, I can keep myself pretty busy uh, in things other than just games going on. Well, you also have a book, Will Leach, coming out very, very soon. Um, Tell us about this book. Yeah, the book is called How Lucky. It is a novel. It has actually nothing – I wouldn't say it has nothing to do with sports. It takes place in Athens, Georgia, Mm -hmm. and it takes place during a football game week. So there are there's some tailgating there, are the, but uh, it, it, it I don't, I'm always hesitant to say too many uh, plot details about the book, but it's a yeah. it's a, it's a novel about a man named Daniel uh, who uh, has a physical uh, impairment and uh, and kind of his story of. Of uh, he he just he discovers something he witnesses something happening and he has to figure out whether he witnessed what he saw he witnessed and if it was how he can help the people uh, that may have been involved in that incident and uh, 
you know, I uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the book. It's it's kind of a mystery, but I, I think it's more, you know, um, I want the the book is meant to be. It's kind of one of the things I've discovered about myself in the last probably in the post Deadspin era of me uh, is uh, I'm actually like a relentlessly positive person. It's very annoying to be mm. entirely honest. <laughs> uh, and um, but you know I think that uh, and you know I think that we kind of get so caught up in our own worries and our own aggrievements and our own frustrations that like things are great, <laughs> like things are wonderful. Nothing is perfect. Nothing is even slightly perfect. But like I wanted to write something that hopefully would help people put a little positive things into the world and kind of hope help everybody appreciate um, um, that life is good. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of hokey, but uh, and I hope the book is hopefully funny and hopefully uh, uh, is, is not. But that, that's the idea. That's what I was trying to put into the world with the book. But it comes out comes out in May. We got a great book from Richard Russo, Richard freaking Russo uh, from Empire Falls and Nobody's Fool and Kevin Wilson, who wrote Nothing to See Here and The Family Fang. Uh, they both loved it. We've got some nice reviews. But, you know, it's out May 11th. Uh, if you're following me, on, I generally am bad at Twitter, mm. but I have. I have rededicated my Twitter to helping uh, write this book because this is this is a book that I did not even you know I wrote my my agent I've written a book in ten years and my agent uh, didn't even know I was working on this until I met him pre pandemic uh, for dinner uh, in in New York and I said oh yeah by the way I have this and just handed it to him. <laughs> and he's like it was a big dramatic moment but he's like yeah great now I have to carry this thing all around New York City the rest of the night I was like sorry I have an email uh, I have it a file I'll send it to you it's not like if I lost it in the cab it'd be gone forever but um, yeah. It's uh, it's it's uh, hope uh, is hopefully um, uh, it's funny, but uh, hopefully it, it'll it'll kind of uh, uh, make people feel better about the world. That's the goal of it. What was the one? What not one? What was a difference from writing this one versus writing um, God Save the Fan and Are We Winning? You know, this one did not have to be any connect. To be entirely honest, this didn't have to have any connection to the being the guy that started Deadspin, which mm. is. And, uh, for I would say for the first portion of the, I was well, the first portion of my career I was just starving <laughs> and unemployed. But the second part of the uh, section of my career is always going to be dominated by Deadspin. That's fine. I'm proud. Uh, uh, it's a shame that Deadspin died and no longer updates. Uh, but um, <laughs> if uh, uh, it, I, I'm certainly proud of the work that uh, I was able to do there and the people after me did there and then the, the people that left Deadspin when it died and no longer updated uh, <laughs> when they went over to Defector uh, I think the work they're doing there is really great too and so I'm proud of being a part of Deadspin and uh, and, and being the founder of Deadspin I, I'm proud of kind of the imprint it's had in the world but you know obviously you know uh, uh, people are crazy online <laughs> and, and so uh, at a certain level um, you know one of the reasons I left Deadspin was I, you know, I wasn't really interested in being online take guy like that was not the goal of why i got into writing in the first place i don't think that's what deadspin was uh when, when i when i ran it and so and it, as you kind of saw kind of the sports online commentary culture go in a certain in that sort of uh that sort of direction and you know that kind of relentlessly argumentative uh pump up the brand even if it's stuff that you don't believe uh i i mean just that's just the opposite of of what i like about the world let alone the internet and so uh i've you know i love writing about sports and i'm very lucky that being the guy that founded deadspin has given me the opportunity to still to this day to write uh, a lot of things that i i would have never had the opportunity without deadspin i'm very grateful about that but i do think because of that for a long time there were certain things i was expected to do and i love god save the fan i've got the fan i like i love are we winning i'm very happy with how are we winning turned out um uh, God save the fan. Uh, it's uh, definitely my. You know who's a big deal in sports is going to be a big deal moving forward. Gilbert Arenas. That didn't age very well. So like you know, there's a lot of stuff from that that I might take back. But I do think that um, uh, there was a certain idea that like I needed to continue to be the deadspin person and continue not to be the deadspin person, but to be give people what they kind of expected from the guy that had started deadspin. Now I think it's been enough time and there's enough other stuff going on that I don't have to do that anymore. And so uh, to me to write something that was very off brand uh was very freeing and yeah. to, to have it to have it be uh uh picked up by people and uh and uh, that are, don't care about sports and don't know anything about dead spain is very satisfying That's i'm going to pause for a moment and tell these boys to be quiet <laughs> hey guys guys boys i'm still on the podcast you have to be quiet okay are you staying inside boys are you staying inside 
Okay, that's okay. You can cool off. Just be quiet. Okay, there we go. They go back to school on Monday. They go back to school on Monday. They go back to school on Monday. Okay, go ahead. Okay, with me leaving that in. That's great. Oh yeah, go ahead. It's fine. That's uh, that's part of the pandemic uh, parenting experience. (laughs) Um, That's interesting, man, because. I think what you had it was sports on earth and I read sports on earth every day and you kind of like in between the, what you're doing now with New York magazine and everything versus the, the deadspin era. Cause I didn't really read you at deadspin. I, I that wasn't on my radar. Um, deadspin was a little bit before my time when it was at peak deadspin. So I started reading you through sports on earth. Will and, um, that kind of thing and getting your books and just be like, Oh, this is interesting. Um, I, that like that was my site like that's what i wish we got more of and i was thinking about that today because I, I don't know if you're like this where we have so many different sports things we have to read um while also i think it's part of your uh duty as an american citizen to not necessarily debate politics online unhealthy all day or just get in arguments with strangers all day it's just to read the times read the post keep up with what's going on keep up with what you're voting for and keep up with like who the candidates are like that kind of thing that's a lot of hours in the day. So I have this like spreadsheet that I have my, my Google sheet that I have my daily reading list and it's or, organized by politics, organized by movie reviews, organized by NBA, college football, college basketball, all the different things. But what I notice is like, I, I just dwindle more and more each year. It seems like where I'm like, cross that one off. All right. Remember when I read sporting news, that's gone. Remember <laughs> when I read SI for a brief period and now it's back, which thank fingers crossed stays on for a while um remember when i read uh this and that like cbs i and nba was a great thing that i read with zach harper and matt Moran all the time and now mm-hmm. they're gone and i i don't know i just like go up and down but sports on earth was one of my staples every day and i mean grantland obviously but um that's like kind of like my dream is like with writing with my own site and building my own thing with this podcast and everything is like i don't all i really want to do is just write about sports every day and also work with a bunch of other smart people and i think that's what you kind of had at sports on earth where it's just like oh that's the kind of thing i want to do that's pretty simple it's just like here's a thoughtful piece on sport x and then here's (laughs) another person who has a thoughtful piece on sport y and that's just all it was every day and i was like that's cool that's all i want what what if we just did a subscription model for that like i i don't know that i just wanted to pick your brain on that for a second Uh, yeah you know and i think that like you know one of the things i liked about sports and sports you know it went on it obviously had several permutations uh always kind of based on uh on whoever happened to be owning it at that time but i think at its peak you know, I think it was a good combination between uh, it took the 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 best parts of like, quote unquote, traditional uh, old school sports writing and um, used it, you know, merged it with like David Roth and, you know, and then again, crazy, you know, and all sorts of uh, crazy stuff that, uh, that, uh, that 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 you were able to publish at the time and the, the best of the Internet in a lot of ways. I think it existed during that specific time where uh, before we transferred out of both of those. <laughs> and so, you know, one of the you know, listen, I'm a subscriber to The Athletic. I like The Athletic. There's a lot of people whose work I love at The Athletic. Sometimes I do worry the athletic is a little too well. We're just trying to recreate a newspaper from uh, from 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 2002 uh, a little bit, and not everybody does that. There's a lot of really good writers there, but it does feel like institutionally they are more dedicated to uh, to tr- the traditional old beat reporter newspaper model, which are important. I'm not saying those things aren't important, but you know it doesn't. They never feel not never, but they the the thing I liked about sports. Earth when it was really kicking was it was uh, a mix of those things and it was and you would take risks and you would uh, uh, and, you know I remember Tomas Rios write, writing a piece that was entirely fictional <laughs> and it was it was just weird and not everyone was going to get it uh, but those that did loved it you know and I think that now uh, but one thing that Sportsnet has adva- had an advantage of really the entire time of its its, its existence uh, is its advantage that frankly it's the same advantage that Grantland had. Um, Page views didn't really matter that much. <laughs> like they just didn't matter. That's that the dream. Much. Yeah, and and I mean, you because you still people... don't read page views, right? I don't. Yeah. I don't. And I like this time was the site was put together specifically with that idea in mind. You wanted people to find the stuff. Obviously, the people paying for everything, which was ha- for most of the time, was half uh, MLB and half uh, Gannett, and then eventually at the end it was just MLB, uh, which I always thought maybe they should have got a little bit more credit for the fact that they were a baseball site paying for a lot of non-baseball related content for no obvious reason. Um, and but anyway, they uh, I do kind of feel like uh, at its best, 
you know, you didn't have to, you just trusted it was good and someone would find it. And frankly, I still think that would work. I have long argued that the what happened with online con- content was we let people that did not care anything about whether the stuff was good or not, not just in the room, but allowed them to make the decisions and, uh, and look at what's happened. It's made the, it's made the journalism worse. It's made all those great sites go. No one's making any more money than they were before. It's just all it's done is that you've had these people that kind of like develop their names as online content guys. And they just float from place to place, not fixing any of them, but certainly making the sites look harder to read and getting rid of a lot of quality people there. So, uh, I, you know, I think that there is a certain kind of digital specialist or digital <laughs> content enterprise bull, bullshit type of stuff that they, they're not a writer. They're yeah. not a creator. They're not an editor. They're literally just in there to get in the way. And we let those people take over and <laughs> we let those people take over. And that's why you get what you have now, which is, and I'm, by the way, I'm not talking about the athletic. I think the athletic subscription model is a very different sort of thing. But like, I look at like one of my favorite writers in the, like, it's college basketball right now. Matt Norlander to me is an absolute essential college basketball writer. Like, mm-hmm. like in a just universe, he is the Zach Lowe. Uh, of the of of the NBA, yeah, and uh, the, 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 he's just terrific. He's great about everything. He's enthusiastic. He's actually more enthusiastic than Zach is actually about. Like he loves college basketball. He's a mm-hmm. he's this incredible kind of like. And you uh, to find him at CBS is difficult to uh, to really. That site uh, sucks. Yeah. Like it's that site's really... horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. And like the, his content is incredible. Yeah. So is Kyle Boone. So is Gary Parish. They have a lot of really talented people there. But the site because it's by people that like don't care about any of this stuff they mm. don't care about college basketball they don't care about sports they don't care about the readers they literally just care about squeezing every little dime out of this thing yeah. that they can and that's what ruined everything we let those people in the room i remember when i was at deadspin after i left uh, aj delario uh, uh who took over for me at deadspin i remember it was that i left in, Ju- in june i remember that thanksgiving he called me i was at my 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 then uh, uh i guess i guess that my then fiance is now wife um uh, at her mom's place in Georgia, and I sold in New York, and he called and he was like, "Man, how?" I because I, he, he didn't really ask my advice very much because it was his site, but he was very curious how he'd handled this one specific thing. He's like, "How do you handle these ad and traffic people and every like they're so difficult? How do you even deal with them? All they do is just want to uh, they all they they have terrible ideas and they keep bothering me about everything." And I was like. Wait, I'm sorry. I don't know who those people's names are. I never dealt with those people. Why would I? Why are those people even talking to you? And 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 that's to me is where the switch happened. For the record, AJ was very successful at pushing those people off too. But like that to me was remarkable. That changed. Like I, I'm still from the old newspaper, the old journalism mindset. Like I'm sorry, I make the stuff. You sell the stuff, and that's how this works. And the minute that you started merging that stuff, that's when everything started to get terrible. Like that's literally when everything started to get terrible, when you had people in charge of content that didn't give a shit about what the content was about. And that's what happened. And until we fix that problem, they're always, that's why you get that's, – that's why the, the, you have all these sites that like obviously don't care about doing anything good but are just looking at brand or engagement or, 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 or all, all the little dumb metrics that, that, all the, that all the people carry from one dumb uh, internet site to the other. And no one actually cares about making good stuff anymore. People oh, – that's not true. Lots of people care about making good stuff. But for some reason, we've stopped listening to those people. And and, and you know, and, and I would even understand a little bit if we were making more money now, yeah. but we're not. No one's making more money. That the industry is imploding all over the place. Like, what wisdom have they actually brought to this field? They it's just crazy. That, like, Moon Crew is a thing on Substack now, and Tom Ziller, a great NBA writer that I read every day, is on Substack, and Tom Flannery, who I read his Sunday shoot around on SB Nation. It was so well done. Every Sunday afternoon, it's one of my favorite things to read, is writing about running on his Substack. And then there's Mike Prada, who's a great NBA writer, on his Substack. And all these people, I'm like, why are what, – what? I, I hate how many different things I have to keep up and bookmark now, like the individual sites that, that just – it's like, how are they not writing for an outlet? Why are they not writing for CBS? Why are they not writing for The Athletic? Why are, like, what are we doing? Why, why are all these people scattered and having to form their own LLCs? And and and, that, and it's simply because we let idiots take yeah. over all. Of like we are like that is why. Like and, and the thing that's frustrating about it, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. 
no one's making any more money than they used to. Like this was not like people always act like, oh, well, you know, it was efficient. They were they 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 were probably getting paid too much for the money that they brought in. Everyone's losing more money now. Trust me. <laughs> like you have not fixed anything. All you because, you know, because I think readers quite recently have been like, wow. This site is horrible. Why? I have, what? Look at this shit! I have to fight like like to <laughs> yeah. even read a basic story. You know, never minding that like they've gotten rid of the people that are most of the people that are really good at what they do. So yeah, yeah to me that that is uh, uh, the idea that somehow um, the reason. I mean, to me, the back uh, before Deadspin stopped publishing com- content entirely. Um, <laughs> They, uh, the people in charge that own that site, the whole point of Deadspin always, no matter who was in charge, was you, it was the, the the things were run by the writers and the things were run by the, the creators of the stuff, not these other people who didn't actually do anything at all other than like stay, uh, like like Nick didn't never touched Deadspin when I was there ever, <laughs> and you know what? People were like, "Wow, this doesn't feel like it was touched by some." By by some capitalist guy just trying to s- s- hoover every dollar out of my pocket, and people, I don't think it was like, wow, this site's so brilliant, Will's so great. It's they trusted it, <laughs> and like nobody trusts any sites now, and all of these, and that that to me is what's so frustrating about it. This model failed, <laughs> like it has clearly failed in every possible way, and it's way it failed in a way that the old sites didn't. But somehow they're like, well, somehow we've all kind of internalized this idea like, well, yeah, just can't have good smart stuff on your side anymore. Like, yes, you can. You can definitely have that. And I guarantee you, you will make just as like maybe you'll lose money. You're, you're losing money now and everybody hates you. So uh, for me and listen, maybe the answer is to shut all the sites down. I do not believe that is true. I think that like the idea like remember these people, they're in charge of making money and nothing else. They don't have to do anything else. They don't have to go interview people. They don't have to write things. They don't have to they don't have to go make videos. They don't have to create anything at all. Their only job is to make money and they fail and yet somehow we've internalized it like, oh no, they're the right ones. And it's the it's the it's the people making stuff that don't understand how the business work. It's it is it has gotten a little worse every year and that's why the internet sucks now. Yeah. Um, man. Well, that is a natural transition to Illinois <laughs> basketball, Will. Yeah, um, sure. They're really good. And I, I I wonder, do you think that they have it in them to not only go to the Final Four, do you actually think that they can run the gambit, not as a fan, not as a fan, as a college basketball connoisseur winning it all this spring? I think they can. They certainly have the talent to do so. You know, they've got uh, they're kind of like uh, barnstorming into finish of the season where let's not forget, like in one week, uh, they won at Wisconsin at Michigan, blew away at Michigan and won at Ohio State. That's one top 25 team and two top five teams. And they wiped them out like they they were clearly the best team there. the, the the problem with Illinois all year has been when they're on, they destroy everything in their path, but they have these stretches that they they lose focus, they're a bad free throw shooting team. There's like little things that they kind of mess up a little bit. But man, they've got you know, Io is the guy that gets all the press and reasonably so. And Andre Corbello is everybody the most fun guy. But like there really is something kind of one of the things I like about Illinois so much, there's something kind of basic about them in that like they have a seven foot one, three hundred pound dude who like literally never even passes out of like a quadruple team. He gets the ball underneath and he tries to dunk or he gets fouled doing so. Like it is really remarkable to think of, you want an example of how much how much basketball, how much the NBA has changed in the last twenty years. Like in nineteen ninety two Kofi is Shaq like he's full on (laughs) Shaq he's the number one draft pick everyone builds everything around him but now he can't pass he can run he runs the court well but he can't he can't pass he can't shoot and his handle is not so great that that makes him probably not draftable. <laughs> that's like what, what's what's changed in 20 years of the NBA. Uh, so I, I think that's great for Illinois because maybe we'll get him for, around for an extra year. But I, as someone that loves college basketball, I love the NBA. But I've always loved I love college basketball because there's certain you know the personalities are so big. They're so beloved where they are. Like like to not have any fans. Illinois basketball is like you're seeing this with their what I would argue is kind of a dumb fight with Michigan over who should win the Big Ten. Like who cares? Go win, go make the final four. 
anymore. No one's going to care about any of this. And uh, I was weird. I thought it was surprising that the athletic director got involved in it. Like I understand that, that emotions are high. We're all in the middle of a pandemic, pandemic and therefore a little bit insane. But, you know, I, it feels like who cares? Like for me, this is – Illinois fans are obsessive because they love college basketball. Like it is, I living here in Athens, you know, it, I find the, the parallels between how people care about Georgia football and Illinois basketball pretty similar. Hmm. And um, and but in the same way that too, they don't care about Illinois football or Georgia basketball. And so to see that, you know, the thing about Illinois that's really interesting is you know a lot of teams like Louisville as, and uh, and Duke have had some okay teams that have made the final four. There've been okay teams that made, like there was a West Virginia team that was okay. That made the final four. Illinois only makes the final four when they have these truly transcendent teams and they have come literally to the year every 16 years. <laughs> in 1989, they had Nick Anderson and Kendall Gill and K- Kenny Battle and Marcus Liberty and the Flying Illini. 16 years after that, they had Dee Brown and Darren Williams and that incredible team with Luther Head that should have beat North Carolina in the championship game. And literally 16 years later, they have this in- an unbelievably memorable team with, uh, with one, with, with an All-American, probably a second or third team All-American after him, a potential freshman of the year guy and just a uh, just gloriously fun team. Uh, and and I, I want to go to Illinois fans and be like, you know, sometimes you're just like a five seed that gets lucky. <laughs> like we just have these like incredibly teams. This is one of those teams. I think they have the talent to do it. I think they need to hang on to a number one seed because I think uh, Gonzaga and Baylor are better than everyone. And if Illinois doesn't get a number one seed, they're going to get stuck with a two seed in their bracket. So they need to hang on to a number one seed. So uh, Iowa or Ohio State has to be the team that does that. But uh, yeah, they're really fun. And uh, I've I've written this before, but my life uh, is happier just in general, when Illinois basketball is good, and we have, I've the number of people that have come to me and been like, "Wow, how exciting is it? How fun is it to watch this Illinois team?" But Illinois basketball is back. I was like, "Man, I've been watching every single one of these games for 15 years. I watched the Bruce Weber era fall apart. I watched John Gross start to get exciting and then have that fall apart. I saw the first two two rough years of, of Brad Underwood's tenure. Like, I love Illinois basketball. I watch this team whether they're good or whether they're not. So to have this, this is this is what we were waiting." I don't have that same experience with Tennessee basketball. Well, yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, I understand that. But and but and good news is you have Tennessee football. Well, okay. Tennessee Maybe. baseball is great. Tennessee baseball is great. Tennessee baseball. We're really great. good. You know, my 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 wife went to Georgia. That's why we live down here. She is she hates the Tennessee colors. My wife is a, mm. is, is, is a decor is a designer and she is all about color. She's very good. Check out, check out her Instagram, Alexa Stevenson on Instagram. She's very good at what she does, but she hates the Tennessee color with the passion of a thousand. The Gaudi orange. Yeah. She hates it. Okay. Well, you know, that's why she's not allowed on this podcast. Well, that's why I asked for <laughs> exactly. Will Leach. Not she's tried to barge in a couple of times. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck. Well, sorry. The orange is actually perfect and she's incorrect. Um, <laughs> How will you replace AO and Kofi next year, though? Are you concerned that this is like a one-year thing, or do you think that you have stars in waiting that Illinois can be fine for the foreseeable future? They're not going to be this. This is a, this is like kind of a magic team that's kind of coming together. But they're, I think they're a top 15 team next year. Uh, if they're a top 10 if Kofi comes back, which I think is possible. Io's not coming back. But but uh, I think Kofi could come back next year. And uh, so, But even if he doesn't, you know, one one thing that's going to be very exciting to watch everyone when they start discovering Illinois basketball and watching them over the next month, Andre Curbelo is more fun. He's the, he's their freshman point guard who basically he's got a little Pistol Pete in him. He's got a little Steve Nash in him. He's got a little he's got a little uh, Jason old Jason Williams, not shoot the guy Jason Williams, and not Duke crash the motorcycle Jason Williams, but uh, white chocolate Jason Williams. Uh, he's got he is a purely pleasurable basketball player to watch and he's gotten re- so when io got hurt he had to take over a lot more of the duties and he started to like take he, he started to limit some of his mistakes uh when you watch illinois play for the first time if you haven't watched them all year you're gonna i you're gonna obviously know kofi he's, he's, a, he's a, ma- a massive human and io he's gonna have the mask but andre Curbelo, people are gonna fall in love with andre Curbelo in this tournament and i think him and adam miller uh, are centerpieces of uh, I think a, a pretty solid top fifteen team for year. Underwood's got something going, and this is this is what we were waiting to happen. This does not feel like like I, they're not a top five team if Io and Kofi don't come back. Uh, but next year, I think they're a top fifteen team, and I think they're top ten if Kofi comes back. Interesting. Uh, last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Will um, you've written a lot about return to normalcy for sports and what that's going to look like. 
Um, and we, we talked at the top of the show about what the summer's going to look like. I don't know if you saw as we started or right before we got started that Texas Rangers are opening up full I just capacity. Saw full capacity. Whew. Damn the torpedoes. Yeah. Um, it, but none of this is all surprising to me. Like this was always coming, right? This felt inevitable that this was the next clash was that some States would do this and some cities would do this and some teams would do this and not all. And then you're like, what are we doing? Why are some doing this? And like the, I, I don't know. I just, I was wondering about this with baseball because my guess was before like back to December when it looked like we were going to have vaccines and this was actually going to happen in the first half of next year. I was like, Oh, Baseball is going to be in the middle. Like NFL got to avoid all of this by the time, like the NFL, the timing of the NFL season and everything just worked out perfectly for the NFL. And it will this year too. It looks like, um, I don't think that's the case with baseball. And now it's just going to be, they're going to be at the center of everything because now with the Rangers going full capacity, I would not be surprised if the Braves do. Cause remember when the Braves were just like, they kept showing in the ESPN broadcast, like the, uh, the chop house. The yeah. Chop house. Just full. Yeah. Like just full. Um, like they're technically not in the stadium, but yeah. But, and listen, it's been weird for me, man. Like I, I listen, you're in Tennessee, you're seeing this too. I mean, people have been in. I, I, you know, I wrote a piece for Medium uh, of confessions of a pandemic risk taker. But my risks were like, I'll eat outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will, I will let my kid uh, 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 go play baseball. But like. Uh, and my argument that piece was that people are taking more risks than I think that like they are willing to show on social media. Uh, however, I would not eat indoors. <laughs> like I would not eat indoors. But like you, particularly now the weather's nice here. The restaurants are packed. Yeah, <laughs> they're absolutely packed here. So uh, uh, you know, at this point, uh, you know, listen, if you're gonna let, uh, we'll see if the Rangers can actually get that many fans. One of the things I thought was really interesting, you know, the Knicks uh, started opening up Madison Square Garden to fans. And you went on StubHub and the tickets were like 50 bucks, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is cheaper than they were before. Like I still think that like there's going to be more hesitance to actually pack the stadium. Yeah. for people than uh, than their allowance. Well, uh, what's to... the one better thing is that it's outdoors. Like this yeah, is not yeah. like basketball. This is an outdoor thing. So I think yeah. that is going to help baseball. I mean, the, the, yeah. Daytona, the Daytona 500 had like 30,000 people. Like once they had that, it's like, well, that's, I mean, they had 30,000 people there. So if you're going to do that, then that, you know, I, I'm, I cannot wait to explain go... the cup series this year. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> I, I know you're a big NASCAR guy. What, what, I am, what are you thinking? I'm, uh, uh, I think it's very, I think guy. I feel like it, I feel like it is a huge mistake to turn right. <laughs> um, but uh, I would say that once they're kind of opening that up a little bit, uh, it's only a matter of time. I listen. I'm waiting to. I, I've been to games. I have been. I've gone to college basketball games here. Mm-hmm. Now everything is very spaced out, and I, I, I've actually found it quite safe. Uh, to be entirely honest, safer than frankly a lot of other things going on uh, on a pretty regular basis. But uh, like I wouldn't eat indoors, but I would go to a basketball game. I think mm-hmm. that I want to see precautions taken in place, but. Uh, uh, for a full stadium, I'll go to a baseball game, but I might wait to go to a stadium with full capacity until I'm vaccinated. But once I'm vaccinated, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Um, last thing, we'll wrap up here. You have one minute, Will, to gush mm-hmm. about the St. Louis Cardinals ahead of the 2021 season. I, I won't take the full minute because I'm a little worried about the rotation, a little worried mm-hmm. about the outfield. But uh, no, well, what Aaron helps Otto. is that your division is not competing this year. Yes, and Nolan Arenado is on the team. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Nolan Arenado is on the team because Nolan Arenado is on the Cardinals. And if you want, I can just say that right. for a whole minute because that is amazing that Nolan Arenado uh, plays for the Cardinals. It kind of blows me away that Nolan Arenado plays for the Cardinals because he does. Uh, I have his jersey already. Mm. Uh, and uh, he's definitely one of those guys that I know that I, I'm going to say this just because I know it annoys people. But Nolan Arenado is one of those guys that's always felt a little bit like he's going to end up a Cardinal someday. Oh. <laughs> like he really does. And it's true. And listen, Roland was like that. Goldschmidt was like that. Edmonds, Edmonds turned out to be holiday was definitely like that. Holiday was definitely like that. Like it just, there's just certain thing, people that feel like fits with the franchise and uh, he's one of them. And uh, we're very excited. Well, I'm happy for you. Well, thank you. I I know you're not. That's okay. (laughs) I'm really happy for you. Um, All right. Well, don't forget folks. You can pre-order your book. How lucky Uh, on Amazon, correct? Yeah, Amazon. On uh, if you go to the HarperCollins page, you can pick. Some people don't like to buy stuff on Amazon, which I understand. Mm. So there's a 
there's a bookshop. There's all sorts of places that you could go, but definitely you can find it on Amazon. You can find everything on it. You can buy either one of my children on Amazon. <laughs> well, it would depend. Okay, I don't know how to go with that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll just move on. Yeah. Um, follow you on Twitter at William F. Leach. Keep up with all your great work across Medium, New York Magazine, and all the other places that you are writing great work. Um, like I said, pre-order Will's book. Follow myself at Chase Double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. And leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you are an iPhone user. It takes five seconds as you're wrapping up here. So Will would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. But Will would actually appreciate it more. Uh, he's just that kind of guy. So Will, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, don't be a stranger and stay safe out there. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Be safe. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.